the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. That church had all these wonderful things going on and all these activities, and it was a, a strong church in one sense, but, but they had grown apart in their relationship with the Lord. As sometimes happens in a marriage, as you get busy with life and kids and career and responsibilities and And the love can grow cold. As Pastor Dan continues his teaching series through the book of Revelation, he'll be exhorting you to return back to your first love. The church of Ephesus was no longer doing anything out of love for the Lord, but out of habit and ritual. At first glance, this church looks perfect. They're doing everything correct outwardly, but inwardly, they were lacking in their personal and intimate relationship with Jesus. Love must be the motivating factor in all that you do as a Christian. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Revelation chapter 2 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. They cannot bear those who are evil. And, and they have the idea is they've remained a pure church, which is saying a lot because they're in a very impure city. And they're the only church in that city. And yet they have remained, they have, they have maintained their purity and their holiness as a people who are called out of the world. They, they, didn't, uh, they didn't accommodate evil. They didn't accommodate sin in their church. They didn't just accept it. They didn't bend to the culture around them, which was not the case with every church. Have you read 1 Corinthians? Man, that was, a, that was a church that was very worldly, very carnal. They had a lot of sin in the church, and they accepted it and embraced it and accommodated it in that church, very compromised but not this church in Ephesus. Not this church in Ephesus. Jesus also commends this church in Ephesus because in verse 2, they test those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. So a couple things about this. First of all, John, as he writes this, he's the last living of the 12 apostles. So we see here that the word apostles it means more than just the original 12 apostles. And apparently there were false teachers, false prophets, false apostles going around claiming to be an apostle, claiming to be a prophet, claiming to be a, a, a teacher, trying to, you know, going into the churches and injuring people, injuring the sheep, harming the sheep. But the church in Ephesus didn't allow it. They were a discerning church. And they were careful who they allowed to teach. And they were careful to protect that congregation. 
from false teachers and false apostles coming into that congregation. You know, in the, in the book of Acts, but Acts chapter 20, verse 28, this is when the apostle Paul has his last meeting with the elders of the church in Ephesus, and he gives them a warning. And Paul says to the leaders of the church in Ephesus, again, this is, this is 30 years before, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves, Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul warned them 30 years before that wolves were going to come in to try to devour the flock of God. Even people will rise up from among them, from among the congregation, to try to draw people away, to split the church. And Paul told those leaders of the church in Ephesus, to watch, to be watchful over the flock of God. And for 30 years, they've been watchful. For 30 years, they've, they've kept the wolves away. They've chased them off. For 30 years, they've kept that flock safe. 30 years, they've kept that flock healthy. And Jesus commends them for their discernment and their watchfulness. Now, in verse 3, Jesus reiterates their perseverance and their patience and and their labor. And he says in verse 3, you've done all of this for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. The Ephesians weren't, weren't trying to build their own kingdom. They weren't trying to build a name for themselves or for their church or for their pastor. They did everything for Jesus, everything for his name's sake, for his kingdom and for his glory. And they had not become weary after 30 years at this pace. 30 years uh, at this level of activity and this hard work, they show no signs of slowing down as a church. And you read this description and you probably think, wow, that sounds like a really fantastic church. And what a wonderful church this must be. They've got a lot of activities, a lot of things going on, a lot of ministry opportunities. They're steadfast, they're unwavering, they're uncompromising, they're pure, they're holy, they're not corrupted by the the immorality of the world they're living in. They're all about Jesus. What's the address of that church, you know? What time is their service? I'd like to check it out. But look at what Jesus says in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Jesus had one thing against that church. Despite all the good things they had going on in that church, he had one thing against them. And you and I might think, whoa, only one thing? You could only come up with one thing? They've got all these good things going on? And there's only one, one thing wrong? That's... That's not too bad, just one thing. What's a big thing? And it's an important thing to Jesus. In fact, it's, it's, it's so important to Jesus that it's more important than all the good things they had going on. 
In fact, if Jesus had to choose, he'd rather this church have this one thing that they're lacking instead of all the things that they're doing right. It's that important to him. And he says here, this this one thing that you're lacking, this one thing is that you have left your first love, referring to their love for him. Yes, they have all these wonderful things happening, all of these ministries, all of this activity. They're impacting the region for the name of Jesus, but they've left their first love. And that's, that's a big deal to Jesus. And it kind of cancels out all the good things they've got going on in that church. And notice, though, it does not say they have stopped loving Jesus. Jesus is not accusing them of not loving him. He doesn't say, you've lost that loving feeling. Whoa, whoa, that loving feeling, right? What he's talking about here in verse 4, and I I don't want you to miss this, what he's talking about in verse 4 is the quality of their love. Quality of their love. They don't have that first love anymore. What is that first love? The first love is the kind of love you have at the beginning of a relationship, when you first fall in love, when the love is, is new. If you've been in love before, when love is new, it's exciting. It's thrilling. When love is new, you're consumed with your love for that person. You think about that person all the time. You know, throughout the day, you, you can't wait to see that person. You can't wait to talk to that person. You can't wait to spend time with that person because you're in love with that person. You know, you're willing to forsake, you know, all your friends and all your other activities just to spend your time with that person because you love them and you just want to be with them. You know, my wife and I started dating 20 years ago this March. One of these days I'm going to marry her. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. no, we've been married for a long, 19 years. But you know, when we, you know, when we first started dating, my wife was working on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and I was living in Pensacola, Florida, and I was finishing college. And I remember I would get out of class, and I would go to the computer lab because there was a payphone there. And I, I, would, I had a calling card. This was before cell phones. And I would call her from the computer lab because I didn't want to drive home to my house and wait that long to call her from home. And I'd call her from the payphone, And we'd talk on the phone for a while. And then I'd go home and I'd call her again. Right? Because we were in love. You just want to talk to her. I don't want to wait till I get home. I want to talk to her now. And I'd go over to the computer lab. And during the course of our dating, we spent hundreds of dollars a month on phone bills when you had to pay for long-distance service because we were in love. Sounds unreasonable, but not when you're in love, not when the love is new. You know, we would do, uh, you know, in a situation like that, you never know when is the next time I'm going to see the person. And you're desperate to see each other, and so we would... You know, any opportunity we could come up with to see each other, we would, we would see each other. And my wife, she worked on Capitol Hill for a Florida senator, uh, and there was a person one time in her office who was traveling down to Pensacola for the weekend for some kind of town hall meeting. And she hitched a ride with a guy to come down and visit me 
but he had one of those old Jeep CJ7s with the big tires and no roof on the, just the bikini top on the top. So 17 hours in that Jeep, my wife rode in the passenger's hair blowing, you know, the loud roar of the tires going. She won't even crack the window in the car now. She doesn't like the wind. But when you're new in love, right? Oh, who cares about your hair and your comfort for 17 hours, right? That's first love. That's new love. We'll return to Pastor Dan's message in just a moment. First, Pastor Dan would like to tell you about the new Calvary Chapel Ellicott City app. We recently launched an app for our church and we're really excited about it. It's designed to keep you connected to our radio ministry, Ring of Truth, as well as to our church, Calvary Chapel. And get this, we have over 1,200 sermons on the app. The app is super convenient, it's easy to use, and allows you to listen to Bible studies anytime, anywhere. So download the app right now, search for Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in your app store, or just follow the links on our website at calvaryec.com. What a great way to stay connected to Scripture. Now, back to today's message on Ring of Truth. That's the, that's, that's the excitement and the thrill of new love. And what he says here is to, these, to these Ephesians is they, they've lost their first love. You know, think back to when you were a brand new believer in Jesus Christ and your love for Jesus was new and it was first love. The Ephesians have, have left their first love. You know, that church had all these wonderful things going on and all these activities. And it was a, a strong church in one sense, but, but they had grown apart in their relationship with the Lord. As sometimes happens in a marriage. As you get busy with life and kids and career and responsibilities and, and the love can grow cold. And so they've left their first love. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13. This is a passage that is often read at weddings. See, for that church in Ephesus, they've got all these activities going for, for Jesus, all these things that they're doing for the name of Jesus, but they're not motivated by their love for Jesus anymore. Now, they're at a point now where they're just doing it out of habit, out of routine. And ritual, and this is just what we've always done for the last 30 years, and we're just keeping it going. But it's not because of love. And look what it says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He says, you know, if I speak with the tongues of men or of angels, if I don't have love, it's just noise. It's just loud, annoying noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy, I can speak for God and understand all mysteries about God, and I have all knowledge of God, and though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but if I don't have love, it's nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, if I give away everything I have to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, I'm willing to lay down my life for Jesus Christ. But I have not love, it profits me nothing. It doesn't count if you don't have love. 
Even laying down your life, being a martyr for the Lord, you're not motivated by love. It doesn't really count. Now, go back to Revelation chapter 2. This church in Ephesus, these Ephesians, they are so busy for the Lord that their love for Him has suffered and their relationship with Him has suffered because of their busyness. And the Lord Jesus Christ would rather have the relationship with them than all of their busy work for Him. Listen, the Lord would rather have a relationship with you than you be busy for Him. He's more interested in you, not what you do for Him. He didn't save you because He needed laborers. He saved you because He loves you. I didn't marry my wife because I need a laborer. I married her because I love her. I want to be with her. He, he wants you. He doesn't want your work. He wants you. Now, it's good if you do work for him, but that, that's a secondary thing. And here, this church has left its first love. And so, in verse 5, though, Jesus gives them the remedy. There's a remedy to all of this. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do those first works again, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Uh, If you're a note taker, uh, you can write down three R words here in verse 5. Remember, repent, and return. Remember, repent, return. That's the remedy for this. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember back to when your relationship with Jesus Christ was new and when your relationship with Jesus Christ was the most important thing to you. And then he says, and repent, and repent. It's not that scary. (laughs) Just kidding. And repent. What does repent mean? Metanoia. Change your mind. Change your mind about the way that you're living your life. Repentance is deciding to go a different direction. I'm going this way, and I realize it's the wrong way, and I need to go a different direction. That's repentance. So you remember, then you repent, and then you return, and you do the first works again. You go back and you do what you were doing in your relationship with Jesus Christ when it was new. How much time did you spend in the Word of God every day when you were a new believer? How much time did you spend in prayer? What, you know, how, how, much, how much did you serve the Lord when you were a new believer compared to now? What was the place of fellowship with other believers in your life when you were a new believer compared to now? What about attending Bible studies or uh, church? Were you the kind of person that you were there every time the doors were open? What about now? You know, what, what place did the Holy Spirit have in your life when you were a new believer? You know, did, you, did you seek the filling of the Holy Spirit and ask for the Holy Spirit to empower you? Empower you? What place did witnessing sharing your faith, sharing the gospel with people, have in your life when you were a new believer? What place did worship have in your life, singing to the Lord then versus now? How did you handle your money 
then when you were a new believer versus now? Now, sometimes uh, someone will say to me something along the lines of, man, when I was a new believer, I was so on fire for the Lord. I was so zealous. And I'd spend hours in the Bible every day. Or I'd listen to, you know, Chuck Smith tapes every day. I mean, I was always, I always had tracks on me. I was always, everywhere I'd go to the restaurant or go to the store, man, I was always passing out tracks. Or man, when I remember when I was a new believer, I was, I was always at that church. I was, I was serving in every possible way. I was there every time the doors were open. Well, what about now? Well, I've, you know, I've, I've matured. I was new then. I was a new believer, an older believer now. I've matured. Well, look at the verse again. Verse 5. Jesus doesn't call it maturity. He calls it falling. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Now, I understand that your life changes. I have three kids now. I can't be out of the house six nights a week like I was when I was a new believer. I get that. All I'm saying is just make sure that you're just not making an excuse for what is really falling, and what Jesus would call it falling. But the, the good news is, you can have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ again. Listen to what he says. He says you, you, can, you can just go back. You can just return and you can start doing those same things again. Like you used to do when your love for Jesus Christ was new. You, you can start digging into the word again and start serving the Lord again and sharing your faith again. Like you can do all those things again. You, you can return back and do those first works like when your love was new with the Lord again. Look at verse 5 one more time. He says, he says, Remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else. I could stop right there. <laughs> These are the words of Jesus. He says, Or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Catch what Jesus is saying here. This is so important to Jesus that if it's not corrected, he says, I'll remove the lampstand. He will depart from that church completely. Jesus gives us an ultimatum here. He gives us an ultimatum. He says, we have grown apart. You don't love me like you used to do. And if you don't make some changes, I'm leaving. That's pretty serious. That's pretty serious. That's what he says. He says, you, you, need to, you need to fix the relationship or I'm going to go. And here's the deal, though, that I want you to realize with this church in Ephesus. They've already forgotten that Jesus is in their midst. They've been, they've been you know, running on their energy for who knows how long. And if Jesus departs from that church, all of the work will continue on. That's the scary thing, is that Jesus could depart from that church and everything will just continue on as it has. All the activities will still be there. All the ministry will still be taking place. All of it will just continue on just as it has. But the presence of Jesus Christ will no longer be there. Then what do you got? You got to work of the flesh. It's just the flesh. He asked me how I know 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Revelation, and he has more to share with you next time. How is your heart doing as you listen to these teachings about the future? If you're in need of prayer for any reason, would you be willing to give us a call and talk with us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever might be weighing on you. Our number is 410 410- 491-4592. That number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from the culminating final book of the Bible, Revelation. Pastor Dan has much more to share from this book, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue learning and growing, appreciating what God wants us to see from His Word. We hope you'll tune in then and be a part of our listening audience. Continue searching for what God has for you to see here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.